And I would just ask everybody for help. And they would be so willing to, because again, people, especially in a corporate environment, generally people all want to run their own business, but you know, they have the golden handcuffs or they just don't have the risk profile, but they will gladly help you and make sure that you can be successful because they get some fulfillment by knowing that they helped you. Welcome to Start Yours, a podcast by Obolo about what it's like to start your own thing. I'm Alicia McCormack, and in this episode of the show, I have a chat to Alex French. Alex and his best friend Andrew, aka The Busy Boys, started making cold brew coffee out of their tiny apartment in 2013 after being fed up with paying five bucks a cup from a coffee shop. Like most at-home cold brewers, they started by using what they had on hand, a crummy grinder and some cheapo coffee beans. They couldn't understand why they couldn't get the same smooth, sweet flavor that they were used to getting from their local coffee shop. With Andrew's background in R&D engineering and Alex's background in consumer research, they set out on a mission to create the best tasting cold brew in the world. Busy Coffee has now become the number one seller of cold brew coffee on Amazon. And in this episode, Alex joins me to share some fantastic information about how they took the leap to launch the business, how Amazon has become the powerhouse platform for their sales. And he shares lots of tips for working with friends, especially utilizing specific skills that you can bring into the business. This episode's great for anyone who's interested in creating their own product or brand, but doesn't know where to start. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to subscribe. And of course, if you want to get in touch, all you need to do is email podcast at obolo.com. We'd love to hear from you and we always love to hear new episode suggestions or leave a voice message for us. Okay, now to my interview with Alex. Alex, it's so lovely to talk with you and to learn more about this amazing coffee empire that you have built with your best friend, Andrew. Tell me a little bit about how you guys met and also how it came to be that you are now running this this business together. Yeah, you know, um, our friendship actually dates all the way back to middle school. So hmm. we yeah, we went to, I think we probably met in maybe sixth or seventh grade. Wow. Uh, yeah. Andrew was uh, a real sharp, sharp guy. He is an engineer now, but was always just really good at math and science. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'd always try and partner up with him basically. Right. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, then we went to the same high school and then, uh, went to college in the same city, but different universities. So, um, you know, we both were quite into exercise and he's a mechanical engineer and my dad uh, was an engineer and I'm mm-hmm. a little mechanically inclined, but got really into motorcycles right. because of Andrew's mechanical engineering. Um, we kind of just really bonded over that in college and um, exercise and fitness. And then, you know, actually after college, we both worked in, in the uh, corporate world. I was uh, doing demand forecasting, so very technical, like statistical analysis on supply chain. And he was working in fluid systems as an R&D engineer. And actually, right after college, we both moved back in with our parents to just kind of get our feet back on before um, actually moving together in uh, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we just would tinker at the end of the day. Uh, You know, we both had our jobs and kind of had what we like to say our quarter life crisis 
<laughs> and because we are, you know, both uh, generally handy and liked products and things of that nature, after work, we'd hit the gym and come up with ideas and things we wanted to tinker with. And then we'd get back from the gym and just kind of start making stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and then that just kind of was initially how it started. What's interesting is when you said that when you were in middle school that Andrew was really good at maths and, and science and that you sort of – you knew that. Like, do you think that's translated now when you're running a business? Because I often find when you find partnerships, they're like, I'm really good at marketing and I'm, I'm good at writing copy and the other person's good at doing the spreadsheets. Do you think that's been something – a theme that's that's carried on through your friendship and now your business partnership where you know each other's sort of skills and you've been able to bounce off that and allocate certain tasks or bits of the business to – to really to support that yeah absolutely and we've we realized that very early on in our friendship as well as as in our careers Mm -hmm. and so i'm generally you know pretty outgoing a social guy a salesman by trade and an ideator so i'm always thinking of ideas as as a great example so i got my motorcycle license the day i turned 18 and was just willing to go in. None of my friends had them. And then Andrew got one after AI convinced him, but he saw me and how to use them and how to safely ride. And then he would jump in. And so as we progressed into our careers and specifically into entrepreneurship, um, we were very conscious about having, you know, very clear roles where I typically will start things and come up with the ideas and validate the market opportunity. Um, I have a you know background in finance and analysis, so I'm able to kind of quantitate, quantitatively make sure something is going to work. And then yeah. Andrew, with his engineering and high level of detail, will then pretty much execute it and, of course, at the same time, make sure that the ideas that I'm saying are amazing are actually feasible. Mm-hmm. Sure. And that is important, I think, when you are in a partnership or any sort of business arrangement that you've got someone to bounce off, but also someone that says, hey, 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 this may not be financially viable or this will never work. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, yeah. So let's talk a bit about the business and the business of coffee, busy coffee, which uh, is, every time I read the brief, I, I am a real coffee nut. And I every time I read your story, I'm just like, give me a cup of coffee, give me a cup of coffee. It really triggers something in me. Um, let's talk about how you you decided this was the idea because you talked just then about bouncing ideas off each other. Um, cold, uh, like a cold brew, actually it's really interesting. I live in Australia and cold brew is not as popular here as it is in the States. Uh, there's certainly a market here you could come and take over. Tell me a little bit about how you came to be uh, in the coffee business because clearly from what you've just said, neither of you were in the coffee business prior to running this this enterprise. So how did you take the leap from engineering and, and data and statistics to running one of the most popular cold brew companies out there? Yeah, so I'll- it's important to note that this is our third go at running a business together. Right. So that helped us decide what type <laughs> of product and category. Because, you know, when we started, we we're like, we're going to just make something awesome and it's going to work. And then yes. people are going to buy it, definitely. <laughs> and we had no idea about, like, how difficult it is to edu- educate consumers. And then the importance of, like, recurring revenue or, like, repeat business. So... The first business that we did was a snow sports accessory and it was this widget for all intents and purposes and you would buy one of them and it was indestructible. So we had this 
small product <laughs> in a small niche that someone would only buy once and it was, you know, $20. It was very inexpensive. And so through that failure, for a multitude of reasons, we realized that there was kind of two things that we wanted to look for and be sure was going to be in our next business. Mm-hmm. And, and they were very basic, right? One of them was searchability. So we wanted to make sure that people were just literally searching for it on the internet. We didn't want to have yep. to educate because that was just so expensive and challenging. And then the second was a consumable good. So our objective was to have someone search for the product get them to buy it. And then we we knew we were good at making good products. So then we could just continually sell that product over time to them. Mm. So we kind of had that in our mindset of like, this is this internal Venn diagram of a business that we want to be a part of. And so we had this idea, we had another, we had a second business, which was in the group fitness industry. It was moderately successful, but had no scale. So we ended up winding that down. And we're looking for kind of the next, you know, in air quotes, big thing that we were going to work on on the side. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was actually working at General Mills, uh, funny enough, as a marketing associate on the Cheerios brand. And Mm -hmm. through that, I had kind of access to all of this sales data. There's this thing called Nielsen, which tracks every purchase of every product out of every grocery store or convenience store in the country. It's it's totally crazy. So Mm -hmm. I had access to this data. And I'm in the food industry. And as I mentioned, we had done this group fitness thing and we were training for this crazy 24-hour obstacle race. So we were really, really (laughs) into health and wellness and like nutrition. And so we're like, okay, food that's consumable. And like people are searching for better for you options because the food industry was changing. And I was learning that while being at General Mills. So we're like, okay, food, this like checks our macro box and we love food. So this is something that we would actually like to run a business in. And then, you know, we were actually making cold brew coffee ourselves just because we liked the product. And so you kind of, the story is we were training for that race and we weren't sleeping very much and needed a higher caffeine, lower acid product because Andrew has acid reflux. We are roommates. You know, we're generally frugal, so wanted to bulk buy everything. And so, you know, we were drinking the product and and it was hitting on all of these macro trends that we were seeing in the food industry, primarily, you know, lower sugar, mm-hmm. fewer ingredients, yep. plant-based. And so in our minds, we were looking for energy and we wanted it to be healthy and sugar-free. And yep. cold brew coffee was just this perfect option. And then it checked our box of, it was kind of new-ish. So this is like 2013, 2014. And so people were searching for it like crazy. They're like, what is cold brew coffee? How to make cold brew coffee? Cold brew coffee recipe. And they were getting millions of searches a month. So in our mind, we're like, okay, this is consumable. People are searching for it. We believed that it was the future of coffee because it was kind of all of the millennials were, were drinking it. And again, yeah, it's, it's, so general, popular. It's, it's so popular. I mean, every yeah. coffee shop in the country has it. And the yeah. beautiful thing was we didn't have to really educate the consumer because the coffee shops were doing it. We just totally. had to be where they were going to buy it, where they wanted to make it. And then that really just kind of became our strategy. So tell me, I, I love that point, and let's just really reiterate for people who are listening, I think, who are maybe considering jumping into an enterprise or a 
running a business or finding that product. And I think it's so important that you have sort of said, hey, we didn't just see cold brew coffee in a coffee shop and decide to then go and just make it ourselves. Like you've gone on this journey, you've done a lot of research, um, clearly looking at the search the search terms and, and the numbers, it's, it's something that you wanted to put your time and energy into. But also, as you said, this is a pre-existing thing that people are nuts about already. So why not find a way to deliver it to them that isn't the conventional way of going to the coffee shop. So I think it's just really important if people are listening and they've got this idea potentially for a product to, to take that that time and do the research as well, which is an obvious thing to say, but a lot of people get excited because it is exciting when you come up with a business idea. You just want to go and do it, but also that's, that can be pretty dangerous. Well, and, and that's exactly what we did with our first business. I had right. this personal problem of riding the chairlift and I was like, oh, everyone has this problem. Let's go like solve this problem. And what we should have done has been like, okay, how many people snowboard in the world, right? And like how many people are going to buy this thing? And oh my gosh, there's only like a couple thousand potential customers and this is a $20 item. I don't think this is going to be that big of an opportunity. And we just, we didn't do that. We just like, we're curious, like, would people pay for it? Well, yes, some will, but not enough to make it a sustainable business. So um, that's where that whole consumable thing from, from our perspective came into play. But, you know, doing the research is really important. But I think the most important thing is you can do research until you're blue in the face. And I yeah. really learned this um, in my marketing role there is that people lie on surveys all t- the time. It's disgusting how inaccurate survey information is and so what we always do and tell people is like people vote with their dollars there's all these stories of like Mm. everyone said it was a great idea and then i'm like awesome ask for ten dollars for it and you'll see (laughs) if it really is a good idea or not Mm -hmm. and so i always tell people you know get to that first dollar as fast as you possibly can because the yep. last thing you want to do is spend six months, 12 months, 18 months perfecting a product only to realize yeah. that no one even really wants it. Oh, my gosh. It's And it would be devastating. I know people do it all the time. And as you said, multiple people that start multiple businesses, these are the lessons that you learn along the way. Uh, but also it can really it can really hurt when you think, my God, I thought this is it. This is the thing. I really thought this was going to be it. And then it, it isn't. And you've got to start again. Let's talk a little bit about when you started to develop the cold brew. Where did you find the beans? Like I wouldn't even know where to begin, especially with consumables. I, you know, I know with our listeners would say, I'd go to Alibaba or I'd find if you're making a physical product, there are certain means and ways to do it. But I've never thought about a food-based product. How did you start that initial journey to make sure what you were going to be selling was premium uh, and, and yeah, starting the tasting phase, I suppose? Yeah. So fortunately, Andrew, um, my business partner, is very technical and he is very detail oriented and he loves food and beverage. So um, honestly, all we did is we went to our local grocery store and it was a co-op. So it was kind of like a, you know, a crunchy store, if you will, where they had all these like exotic coffees. And I mean, we paid like retail prices and I'm expensive coffee, like, you know, 10 to $15 a pound and we would just cold brew everything. And there's this thing called the specialty coffee association of America, which is basically the organization. And they have this thing called the flavor wheel. And so we would just try countless types of coffee and Mm -hmm. just see what we liked the most. And we looked at every variable. So we actually took a coffee class from a 
from a, a local coffee shop mm-hmm. and they taught us like what makes a good cup of coffee. And there's really a couple of variables. There's essentially grind size, there's temperature and there's brew time. And so we played with those variables to make sure that our extraction was good. So it wasn't mm-hmm. over extracted or under extracted. And that's kind of a, just a, a simple you know equation. And then there's the sensory side, which is, do you want a Guatemalan or do you want to blend or do you want it to be light roast or dark roast? And so we tested just every one of these variables. So we were trying our competitors. We were trying our products. We just wanted to cold brew anything we could get our hands on. Sure. And then we would document <laughs> literally everything. And then we took the next step and we thought that we had created something that we personally loved. And then what we did is I actually hired my coworker who was uh, in, the, in a thing called Consumer Insights, where what they do is they gain insights from consumers. And mm-hmm. she held a formal taste test where we built out that flavor wheel, as I mentioned, we brought in, I think it was maybe 10 different like blends and roast profiles, including three of our competitors and seven of the ones that we had made. And we just asked them to rate them, you know, simple stuff, one to five, what do you Mm -hmm. taste? And like, what do you like? And what don't you like? And what we learned just through most people's taste buds is that when it comes to cold coffee and cold brew specifically, they wanted it to be kind of chocolatey, caramely, smooth Mm. with a little bit of roastiness to it. And so we said, okay, these are the flavor profiles that people want. And then we just went back into our notes and we said, okay, which origins and roast profiles would create that flavor note? And then Mm. that, and then we just, that was it. And that was, that was, became our number one primary blend. Um, and so that's how we found kind of the initial flavors is we just went to our local shop and asked people what they liked. Right. And then as we looked to commercialize the product, um, you know, we just hit Google and we found large coffee roasters and said, Hey, can you source these beans? Can you grind them to this spec that we found worked best? Um, and can you get the sizes that we need? And then Andrew knew kind of fluid systems and brewing. He was a, a beer brewer in college, so had a kind of a uh-huh. understanding of how to brew stuff and like clean the liquids. And so we basically specialize in the brewing and then now have a really good understanding of which origins and roast profiles create the flavors that we're looking for. Your ability, I think it's really interesting to see how much of your experience, like the, like I love that Andrew is a home brewer and understood that, but the fact that you, and it's a hobby that has now become something that's really impacted on your primary business. It's I, I just wanted to say that your skills in that area, I think people should really remember that they can tap into this stuff all the time. I, I use skills that I've had, I've had for 20 years and thought they would never come in handy doing something at college or whatever and you think man actually I probably learned more about my my from my hobbies than my actual education but you know don't tell my parents <laughs> well and and <laughs> even things like you know most people when they're starting out in entrepreneurship they'll do it as a side hustle we certainly yeah. did and like when we did our first business I was so scared because I was in, I had a corporate job and I didn't want anyone to know that I was working on this side project because I thought that mm. I was gonna like get fired or something but what I learned when I was at General Mills, so if anyone listening is in the corporate environment, um, people really want to be entrepreneurs, but they typically don't have the risk profile. Mm-hmm. 
but they want to live vicariously through you. So when I was at General Mills, I would ask everyone, I'd say, hey, I'm working on this coffee thing, taste it. And hey, I got this name, what do you think? Or like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm working on this packaging or this label design. I'd go find the packaging and label expert and I'd say, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, I need to work on like my go-to-market strategy. Okay, go to the digital guy. And I would just ask everybody for help and they would be so willing to because again, people, especially in a corporate environment, generally people all want to run their own business, but you know, they have the golden handcuffs or they just don't have the risk profile, but they will Mm. gladly help you and make sure that you can be successful because they get some fulfillment by knowing that they helped you. Tell me a little bit more about your marketing. So you've, you've, you've created the product, you've gone, you've found, you've gone through the wheel, you've got the perfect flavor, you know what you're doing. And the branding as well with Busy is just really nice. Is that something that you knew straight away how you wanted it to look and how you wanted the marketing to, to hit us with the style? And it, it, it's really, tre- I want to say really trendy because it's something an old lady would say, but it's, it's really <laughs> fashionable. It's really trendy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we had kind of an idea. I was I was in marketing and a lot of what my job was, honestly, was I was looking at packaging. And so right. I'd seen hundreds of packages. And in my mind, like we came up with the name ourselves. And I'm not a graphic designer, so we didn't create the logo or anything. But in my head, I think it's important to, you know, every business should solve a problem. Problem solution, you know, almost always prevails even in the food industry. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the name to describe the problem. And for us, making cold brew takes 18 hours. Most people are too busy to wait 18 hours for a single cup of coffee. And so we had that as kind of our our general idea for the business is our consumers are busy, busy coffee for busy people. So we wanted it yep. to be bold and clean and simple. And we wanted it to pop. Because in our industry, our long-term goal was get into every grocery store in the country. And, you know, the saying is you have like a half a second to capture someone's attention on the shelf. And wow. so we wanted to make sure that it was crystal clear what the problem was and what the product was. And so we did um, kind of think about that as we were developing the packaging for sure. So you have spent 25 consecutive months as the number one ranking product in your category on Amazon. And we haven't talked, congratulations, by the way, that's huge. We haven't talked much about Amazon at all as a marketplace on this show. And I'm really interested in how this became your sort of primary marketplace for distributing your your brand. What was it like when you first joined Amazon? Because I think a lot of people find it quite, it's quite overwhelming. It's quite you know, it's listing your products can be a bit of a, a bit of a ball ache, I'd say. Um, how did it become your number one uh, marketplace? It is your number one marketplace for your business, isn't it? Yeah, it's over half of our business still to this day. Wow. Um, so it, it is, it is big. Um, and, you know, it's kind of one of those necessity is the mother of invention, they say. And we just couldn't get into stores with the product. No one would take it. Um wow. And so, honestly, we just kind of had to launch on Amazon because it was the only place we could make money right out of the gates. You know, I'll, I won't get into the setup of the items and the products. There's, you know, tutorials and things of that nature on how to do that. But, sure. you know, the most important thing to note once you're set up is that, you know, as I kind of led with, we wanted things that were searchable. And Amazon, yeah. is it's a search engine and people have their credit cards plugged into it. 
Mm-hmm. And that's really the most important thing to think about. And as entrepreneurs, we get so stuck thinking that we have the greatest thing and we want it to like be a certain way, but we forget to put our consumer hats on. We all shop online. Mm-hmm. We all would be like, oh, I'm not going to buy that because of X, Y, Z. Oh, there's no reviews there. Or like that picture <laughs> looks like trash or it doesn't even talk about what's in the bag. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we just want to make sure that people understand that it is a search engine and people are there to search. So as long as you have that understanding, you're going to be far ahead of everybody else. And so we want to make sure that people, when they're searching for products, that we are there every single time. Because I know if someone's searching for cold brew coffee, they are going to buy cold brew coffee. And if someone's going to be searching for a cold brew coffee maker, I know even with more certainty that they're going to buy a bag of coffee that's specific (laughs) for cold brewing. And so as an example, I put myself in the consumer journey. And in my mind, I think about someone tries cold brew for the first time at a coffee shop. They say, wow, this is five or six dollars. This is crazy overpriced. My coffee (laughs) takes seconds and costs pennies to make at home. I'm going to make it at home. And they go to Amazon and they say, how to make cold brew coffee. And (laughs) boom, I have to be there. And as long as I'm there, I'm going to get that sale because we've done a, a great job of making the brand very crystal clear. It says cold brew on the front. We specialize in it. We focus on making sure we have amazing reviews. We have all the keywords dialed. Uh, again, there's a, there's an algorithm that shows your product and there's certain things that matter. Um, we think about this in, in all kind of marketing vehicles, but if there's if there's an option for you to put more work into that channel, you will be mm-hmm. rewarded by putting in the work. So if it says you can add 150 keywords, add 150 keywords. If it says you can have seven pictures and two videos, have seven pictures and two videos. If there is additional content you can add called EBC, make sure you add that. Yeah. So And then you will be rewarded. They even have these things like posting. It's kind of like Instagram. And we're doing that stuff too. We're just repurposing our existing content and putting it on there. And as again, as consumers, when you're going to Amazon or another marketplace, you're going to maybe look at three to five items and you're going to just compare them against each other. And whichever one looks the best and, the, and they put the most work into and it's the most relatable you're going to buy that one. And for us, knowing that our product is consumable, once we get that first order is when the work really begins. And now we want to make sure that we're sending email follow-ups. We're capturing their email address is a a huge focus for us now um, to make sure that we can continually remarket them and, and keep them in our purchase funnel. Yeah, what's great, I suppose, is that you, you know that this is a product that people are going to keep coming back for because, as like listen to me earlier, I'm addicted. I love it. I think mm-hmm. about coffee too much of the day. But it is something that people also want to uh, get in, a, a, I suppose, a regular buying pattern, which is a great place to, to be as a business owner, I suppose, when you create something that someone wants on in an ongoing way. It's fantastic. Um, with Amazon, I, I just want to go back a little bit to the the SEO sort of part of it because I think it's so important. I, I'm also an Amazon, um, I've got a side hustle and I'm, I'm an Amazon seller and um, really into the seller community and I think it's there's lots of very helpful support forums as well that you can go to, as you said, with the listing and going through and making sure you're, you're making the most of your space. Do you spend a lot of money in the advertising 
internal Amazon advertising world? It is. Um, Unfortunately, Amazon has turned into a pay-to-play game. And so, you know, we've tested it because our goal is to not pay for the sale. We want to show up Mm -hmm. number one search ranking and the product. And what we found is when we turn off our ads, even though our sales are still strong and we are the number one bestseller, what do you know? Our search search ranking drops to 10, 20, 50. Mm, And then then we turn our ads back on and what do you know? We're back up to number one organically ranking. So when it comes to the SEO, our, our strategy is we we always recommend to start with an auto campaign, which basically just puts your product on a million of other keywords and products. You can then download that report and see what worked, whether it was a competitor or they searched for us, you know, coarse ground organic coffee. And then we'll take those words that converted and make sure that we have them in kind of the back end of our profile and then in the front end as well. To help us organically rise up um, but we do we do certainly we do the banner ads the second they launched the video ads we started doing those mm-hmm. because again we believe that when they offer those things to you um, that's a signal that if you do them they're going to you know give give you more favorable results and keep you back in that number one spot and when you're in an ultra competitive category like coffee like we are uh, we want to make sure that we, you know, leverage every kind of um, option that we have there. It's such a good tip. If if, the, if they're offering, they're, they clearly want people to use it. And if you're also the first in the game to do it as well, if they're offering something new, you're going to get the most exposure. It's a really good, really good tip. Um, I love that you have said you can't fail unless you quit. I really think that's such a great thing to remember because I know a lot of listeners uh, run dropshipping stores and do sort of e-commerce businesses and sometimes you start something as you've both experienced in your careers that doesn't necessarily work but you've got to pick yourself back up and keep going. What are some of the lessons that you can share with our listeners about um, getting to the success? You, you, you're a you're a, a million, you know, you've got millions of dollars of uh, fantastic coffee brewing success under your belt. What are things that we should remember when we're launching businesses and uh, hopefully one day getting to where you are? Yeah, I think the most important one and, you know, we've we're, we have done this tried and true. We've failed so many times in, in this business even is it's very important to be consistent in the problem you're trying to solve, but being mm-hmm. flexible in the way that you solve that problem. Mm. And so, as I mentioned, our goal was people are too busy to make cold brew coffee. And there are many, many, many solutions. And we just tried, I think we're on our maybe sixth or seventh iteration of our product format. Um, and that sixth or seventh iteration has now worked where the first mm-hmm. five did not. So mm-hmm. I think that is, is so important too. You don't want to have a solution looking for a problem. You got to have a problem and be fe- flexible in that solution. Yeah, that's great. And do you have a book or a piece of media or something that you have returned to over and over again or something that's really been impactful in your uh, business running career or just something that you, you would recommend that our listeners would read or watch that could encourage them? Yeah, my, my, one of my favorites is never eat alone. It's, yeah. you know, you cannot 
be successful by yourself. And I go back to it probably every six months to just rem, you know remind myself because you get so bogged down in the day to day of running your business, you you just don't talk to anyone. And I just always have to remind myself that no, you got to get out and you got to socialize yeah. with people, and that's what's going to get you to be more successful is is finding those peers and those mentors. So that's probably my number one book that I that I go back to year and year uh, every time. And what a great what a great time to read that book now, especially with people you know going through various stages of lockdown and feeling uh, alone. And it's something that I think a lot of us as remote workers as well, you sort of forget that that's a really important part of your day. So yeah, fantastic. Really looking forward to uh, reading that myself. Um, Alex, it's been so interesting, and I'm really happy that you have shared this time with you. And also, thank you for sharing some of your insights into building your business. Um, before we go, tell me what's next. What are you going to be sort of working on? You, do you launch new products regularly, or is this something you found your thing and you're just barreling ahead? You know, we have we certainly have one two things that are working very well, and so one of them is a liquid product that we sell into grocery stores, and we're looking to get into all of the grocery stores. Nice. But we did we did just launch again. I'm I'm big on consumer insights and listening to the consumers and being flexible in those problem and those solutions. And so we did just launch a new product called a pitcher pack, which is essentially a giant tea bag to make cold mm-hmm. brew in. And uh, we're launching a bunch of new flavors with that here in the next uh, probably six weeks. So that that's what's uh, up on the horizon next for us. That's really cool. I love it. And it's I, I suppose the pitch pack, that you, the fact that you the big tea bag thing as well is great because it's you don't have to. It's not messy. You just put it mm-hmm. in the cup. Put it in the oh good. Now I'm going to go and brew a cup of coffee. Not yours, unfortunately, but uh, I will enjoy it and think of you. And thank you so much, Alex, for for taking part in the show. If people want to learn more and purchase some coffee or just Amazon stalk you to see what you're doing and what's working for you, where can they head? Yeah, we are Busy Coffee and that's B-I-Z-Z-Y. Either find us on Amazon or busycoffee.com. Just remember, Busy Coffee for busy people. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much again for your time. And um, yeah, it's been great chatting with you. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much again to Alex for sharing his story and for encouraging my coffee addiction. If you would like to get in touch, make sure you email us podcast at obelo.com. Until next week, we'll see you soon.